Hello everyone, my name is Ryan and you're listening to The Vegan Report. If you are an ethical vegan and you care to do more to end animal abuse, then this podcast is for you. Every Tuesday, discover passionate, thought-provoking and inspiring vegan leaders from all walks of life who will inspire you to take action. This week marks the official beginning of the holiday season. I don't know where you are, but here in Canada, winter is harsh. So every year I look forward to the warmth of the holidays, starting with time off from work, but also the colorful and bright decorations of Christmas, the New Year's fireworks, and of course, all the beautiful memories you create with your loved ones. All of this helps tremendously with the transition from November to six months of snowy and cold weather. And as a vegan, what better way to inaugurate those celebrations than by attending the Vegan Christmas Market, an event held every year in Montreal and Toronto, and I find this event amazingly convenient. Are you looking for a cruelty-free Christmas gift? Well, your favorite vegan brands for clothing, beauty products, and more will be present. Are you looking for ingredients to veganize the family meals? you know, to get the famous reaction of, this is vegan? Well, the Vegan Christmas Market regroups your favorite vegan food brands, plus some vegan startups, which new products will blow your mind. But most importantly, this is a great occasion to meet other vegans in a time of the year that can feel isolating. I know every time I sit at the dinner table with my extended family, the topic of my diet comes up then I need to explain why I'm vegan all over again, and I feel like a broken record. To inspire you to launch your own vegan Christmas initiative in your town or on a smaller scale, I have none other than the founder of the Vegan Christmas Market. Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And can you first provide listeners who want to attend the Vegan Christmas Market with the dates and locations of the event? So our Montreal event um, is going to be held December 2nd and 3rd. That's a Saturday and Sunday. Um, and then we have the following weekend, we'll be in Toronto doing the same event, but in Toronto. And in Montreal, you're going to be at the House of Sustainability Exactly. So it's it's held at the, uh, they call it the Maison du Développement Durable. It's uh-huh. on St. Catherine Street in downtown Montreal. Um, it's going to be open to the public from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., both Saturday and Sunday. Um, admission is actually free, so, you know, anyone can join. Um, there's going to be plenty of uh, samples, food, you know, lots of lots of interesting things to try out there. And what about Toronto? Where are you in Toronto? In Toronto this year, we are doing it at this place called the Lithuanian House. It's kind of like a, a venue where people organize events. It's a reception hall. Um, so we're in the ballroom over there. Um, so yeah, it's going to be uh, December 9th and 10th, also 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's in uh, Toronto. It's I think it's 1573 Blur Street in, in Toronto. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So, Anne, how did you come up with the idea of uh, a vegan Christmas market? So um, back in 2018, um, I had started uh, 
well, a catering, a vegan catering company. And, uh, and I, in parallel, I also started my line of vegan sauces, Asian vegan sauces. And then I realized, you know, there are not a lot of events that I can present my products to for the vegan community. You know, there's the there's the, the Montreal Festival, but in Montreal, other than that, there's not many other events. Um, so I thought, you know, why not organize an event for the holiday um, and why not make it exclusively vegan? Um, so it, that's how it started. And the first one was pretty much crazy because I had that idea like very, very close to the holiday season. I basically started three weeks ahead of <laughs> ahead of the, the event day. So that was like mad dash because in three weeks I had to recruit the vendors, had to rent the hall, um, do all the, you know, the logistics and everything. And, and it went pretty well. I mean, it was a very small event that first year, but it was a successful event. And and I, I remember exactly the um, the lady who was in charge at the uh, of the venue. She told me, you know, next year, if you want to come back, you're more than welcome. But we're not going to let you do this in three weeks. <laughs> you need to start way ahead. <laughs> yeah. So since then, I've been taking, you know, your prep work uh, much sooner. But uh, yeah, that's how it got started in 2018. And, you know, in and, and 2019, we actually did Montreal and Toronto and New York. Um, that was a somewhat crazy, crazy uh, idea that just came out of the blue um, because to organize three events uh, consecutively um, is just mad. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then afterwards, we had the pandemic, so we couldn't do anything in, in person. So then I kept the Montreal and Toronto virtual for those um, those years in between that we were all basically locked down. Um, and then last year, we came back to Montreal in person. I didn't do one in Toronto last year because I couldn't find a venue that was the right venue for us. But this year we're coming back to, you know, both Montreal and Toronto in person. So I can't wait to to see what it's going to be like. I'm really excited about both of your events. That's amazing. That's truly amazing. And is there something about Christmas that made you want to create a festival around that? Because if I had to choose like one uh, celebration in a year to celebrate and create a festival around it, it would be Christmas. I absolutely love uh, everything around Christmas. So is it the same for you? I do too. I mean, Christmas is like, you know, it's one of my favorite holidays. It's so festive. Everybody's in a cheery mood, you know, and you kind of want to just, you know, like uh, shop for gifts and, and try out stuff and everything. And unfortunately, most Christmas markets out there don't really cater to people who are looking for plant-based products. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's not it's not convenient when you go to a place and you have to constantly look at the, uh, you know, into the ingredients and is this made out of leather? Is it not? You know, so it's not a really easy shopping experience for people who are, you know, solely looking for plant-based products. Um, so to me, it makes perfect sense to have a, an event that's Christmas, that's centered around Christmas and that's exclusively plant-based. Um, and also being an entrepreneur, like from that standpoint, I just felt like it made sense for us to have a platform that we can just basically show what we've made, what's what's available and basically interact directly with our, our customers. You know, they get to try it, try the product, they get to discover things that they, they would not otherwise find out. Um, and then we get to meet people directly. So we get to talk to people, we get feedback, you know. And the whole thing is just very energizing for both us as the creators of the, the products. And it's also very, you know, it, it's a nice experience to discover new products as a consumer as well. So to me, that that's like, it just made sense to have a, an event like that. 
And I have lots of questions about the event itself and also your company and your entrepreneurial journey. But let's take a few step backs and talk about your vegan journey. How did it start? Uh, did you have like uh, some sensitivity toward animal suffering? Were you an animal lover before becoming vegan? Or were you convinced maybe by a vegan activist? So tell us the story of your vegan journey. You know, I like the fact that you use the word sensitivities because that's exactly how I would describe my experience. Um, so I, I would like to say that I went vegan overnight, but I didn't, you know, and I started having sensitivities, like you say, um, very, very young. I would like, you know, I would feel like there's something wrong with the idea of eating meat. I couldn't quite understand what is wrong with it or I couldn't I, I didn't really know what other alternatives there were. Um, you know, I had a friend who was vegetarian, but she never really spoke about why she was. And I kind of had a sense that, you know, maybe it's not quite right that we kill animals and stuff like that. And I remember in my teen years, uh, at one point I saw this news uh, report um, on the news about this serial killer. You know, it was a really like, like a sort of like a, a crime kind of story. And, and I was really... Um, impacted by that because I thought this is so horrible you know what that person did um basically it was a serial killer who I think was like eating his victims or something like that and I was thinking wait so I'm so, I'm so disturbed by that story but then we humans also eat other living beings so how is that different you know like I, I started asking myself that and I'm like okay the guy ate other people so I'm really disturbed by that But then here I am eating cows and pigs and, and, you know, fish and all that. Like, what is the difference? Where, is it, where do we draw the line? What's right and what's wrong, you know? So I felt really uncomfortable with that sort of moral dilemma. Um, and I tried for a very long time to justify it by saying, you know, well, you know, I'm not eating other humans, right? I'm just eating animals and everybody's doing it. So it's okay, I guess, you know, I kind of stuffed down, you know, the, the little voice in me that says, you know, there's something wrong about this, you know? Um, and then for many, many years, I would just leave that and leave that in the back of my mind. And then I think when Facebook started at one point, I was just scrolling Facebook and then I kept seeing these videos that would say something like, oh, you know, here are the sounds of a slaughterhouse or something like that. And I would never, ever click on any of those videos. I would always basically scroll really fast just so I wouldn't have to, you know, watch it or whatever or hear anything from it. And then I'm like, wait a minute. You know, like if I'm so terrified by this video, I don't even want to hear it. But then why am I participating in it? You know, like it, it didn't make sense to try to avoid it to the, to the degree of not wanting to even watch it, but then to actively participate in, 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 you know, making that happen. So, you know, the discomfort just grew in me more and more. And I knew that at one point I started to think, okay, you know what? How about how about I just eat you know, organic meats only? Maybe that way, at least the animals will be, you know, like at least living a happy life before they, they get slaughtered, right? So I kind of told myself that story. I convinced myself of that story. And um, for a while, for several years, I was just eating organic meats, basically. Um, but I think my, uh, <laughs> my uh, moral conflict caught up with me because I was thinking, okay, this is still not, you know, it doesn't make sense really because we still have to kill the animal in the end. So the fact that they lived a better life or a healthier life or a more free, a freer life before they, they get slaughtered, it doesn't really, you know, like address the issue of them being killed. Um, so then I thought, okay, let's just eat just fish only. 
but for a while it was just okay so it was no more no more pork no more beef baby steps um, yeah so just fish you know i'm thinking like you know what they're they're living freely in the ocean and maybe when we fish them out it's just really really a quick death that's what i told myself that's obviously not what happens but i told myself that and i i made myself believe that so for a lot for a while i i was eating only fish and then eventually, again, you know, my my moral conflict caught up with me again, and I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense, and um, so I got to do something about it. And I just like basically said, okay, that's enough. No more, no more fish, no more pork, no more beef. Um, the other stuff like you know, wearing leather, I was never into that anyway. So I started that way before I even started any of the uh, you know, stopped eating meat and all that stuff. So to me, it wasn't an, it wasn't a, a transition in terms of other products but food it took quite some time for me to to transition um but yeah eventually i did so it was i think it was roughly 2017 that i i just stopped all um all meat all animal products basically i want to go back to what you said about um eating meat is comparable to eating other human beings to cannibalism this is the first time i, I i'm hearing that but this is a thought i had because it feels that way. It feels like cannibalism. Like you wake up and you discover that everyone is being a cannibal or or something. Yeah, it's pretty, um, it's an intense feeling. Um, and also you mentioned um, a serial killer. It's crazy how most psychopaths and serial killers start, you know, torturing animals first. You know, they start, abusing animals, and then they go to humans. So you're right that the line between human and animal is just, it's pretty arbitrary. Yeah. It's completely arbitrary. You know, it's a, it's a societal norm that we've just arbitrarily established that it's okay to eat animals, non-human animals, but it's not okay to eat humans, right? I mean, that's completely arbitrary and that's cultural, um but no we've been we've been that way for thousands and thousands of years and i can understand why most people don't see it that way because it's so ingrained in our mentality um and you know people around me are still eating meat and i i kind of kind of just glaze over the whole thing and just kind of see it as part of the landscape mm. but yeah if you were to really look at it it doesn't make sense you know why do we draw that line there it's completely arbitrary especially when there's no real need for it i mean i get that i get that if you were like stranded in an island and you know you've had absolutely nothing else to eat and it's just you and a pig okay you know <laughs> but really how much how many of us are really in that situation every day you know like practically no one right so i mean it's really is an arbitrary um moral line that we've drawn there um, so yeah, it just didn't make sense. And the comparison to, um, serial killer, I mean, it's drastic and I get that pe pe most people will find that very uncomfortable and maybe they even think that that's completely nonsensical, but really, I mean, if we really think about it, there is no difference except for what we've decided is okay and what's not. I agree. So you decide to transition to a vegan lifestyle and I use the word lifestyle because it's diet plus the rest. And I mentioned how many vegans feel isolated during Christmas. What was the reaction of your family and your community and your circle of friends when you decided to make that radical decision? I, I also use the word radical because it is radical. I mean, you're going against societal norms, against cultural norms, but I would not use the word 
extreme to describe. What is extreme is factory farming. But yeah, so how did they rea react? I would say that in my case, I was lucky in that um, my family uh, were are mostly supportive. I mean, they are supportive. I mean, of course, initially, you know, my mom would have concerns about, are you are you having enough vitamins? Are you eating enough proteins? The typical concerns, which didn't bother me. I knew where that was coming from a place of care. Um, but obviously, you know, once I reassured her that I was, you know, okay in terms of all the, um, the nutrients and everything, that didn't, it never became a, a subject. Um, but but I, I know that for a fact that many of my friends who are vegan, you know, they, they encounter those um, situations with family that can be really, really difficult, you know, having to, you know, bring your own meals to a family meal or, you know, like having difficulty gathering people around because other people find your diet very restrictive and they don't like it and they pass comments about it and things like that. Um, but in my case, it was rather um, a smooth transition. Um, so I find I find that I was lucky in that sense. But, you know, there were the occasional comments, you know, like, oh, why don't you just try it just one time? It doesn't matter, you know, <laughs> just one piece of cake. It has a little bit of eggs, but, you know, like, whatever. You know, there'll be occasional comments like that, but it doesn't, I don't let it get to me too much because, you know, I also know that it's um, it's quite a, a shift to make to to say that, you know, you're going to switch completely over to, you know, um, ingredients or, or things that are not animal-based and just to change your life around completely. So I get that, you know, most people will find that to be a, quite a shift so you know i just um i just roll with the punches i guess um but yeah i mean in my case i think it was uh, it was just luck i guess that i have supported people around me oh. but, but in terms of friendship it did kind of i think i might have lost a few friends because we just don't go out anymore um because it, it made it difficult to pick restaurants and stuff like that um but you know you get over it like other <laughs> friends make newer friends you you know it's just it's part of life i guess when you change people change too yeah vegans are pretty resilient i mean it's admirable and okay so you are vegan but then you take it a step further <laughs> so some vegan decide to go into activism you chose entrepreneurship what made you take that extra step you know, I have nothing but utter, utmost respect and admiration for activists, people who actually go out there and uh, do the cubes of truth or people who, you know, protest and things like that. But it's just not like part of my personality. I wish I, I, I have, I wish I would have the audacity to do that kind of stuff, but it's just not part of me. Um, so my way of kind of contributing to creating awareness for other people was basically to start a business that would offer products that's that's an alternative that's not plant-based alternative so in a way it's kind of my form of activism one that's more aligned with you know my personality that's how i see it um it was never about you know let's try to make as much money as we can that was not never um the goal to begin with but obviously it's a business so so you know obviously you want to make it uh, sustainable but uh it was basically at the at the very start it was basically my idea of doing my form of activism that got me started in creating plant-based products. And, you know, initially I couldn't find any like um, plant-based Asian food around a lot. So then I started a catering, a catering company that did most, that did basically only um, vegan Asian menu. Um, and then, and it just went on from there. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because this whole podcast, the idea behind it is to encourage people to take action, to be more than just vegan. 
And it can take many forms. It doesn't have to be the activist way of doing it. I mean, I, I relate to you. I'm not the kind of person who uh, goes uh, in a protest or something like that. Uh, I'm an introvert. I prefer doing this podcast, <laughs> putting some distance between me and uh, and people and the crowds. Um, but yeah, I, I completely get it. Um, so you mentioned um, uh, launching the vegan Christmas market in New York. Is your product line available uh, in in the U.S. or is it just uh, in Canada? Uh, my product line is actually not available in the U.S. But back when I did it in New York, I actually had a. Well, I still have it. I also have a line of uh, vegan outerwear, so that is available in the U.S. So that when I started the uh, the vegan Christmas market in New York, it was also to promote my my vegan outerwear line. Um, but yeah, but the sauces are not yet available in the U.S. So mention your two companies um, and how do people can uh, get in touch to uh, purchase your product? Um, so for my vegan outerwear, it's uh, mostly sold online. Uh, the website is uh, boidaoutdoor.com. Um, and then my sauces, uh, they're going to be sold. Well, they are already sold in a few grocery stores in, in and around Montreal. Actually, there are some outside of Montreal as well, in Quebec City and Trois-Rivières and all that. Um, but yeah, so my sauce, my food products are in grocery stores and my um, my outerwear line is online. And the idea behind Boida Outerwear, Boida is actually a word that sounds, uh, well, The Korean word that sounds like boida actually means to be visible. And when I created that line, I had the idea that I wanted the plight of animals, their suffering to be visible to the world. So that's why I called the line boida outerwear. And our coats are basically, um, they're made out of, so there's no duvet, obviously, because that's what most winter coats are insulated with. And that is the really cruel industry that basically um, uses uh, duck uh, feathers um and the ducks condition are really really horrible um they get plucked uh sometime live plucked um so yeah so my alternative uh insulation material is basically part corn fibers and the line it's actually called viga goose which is a little bit of a wink for canada goose <laughs> um but yeah so that's uh that's my line of outerwear Amazing. And I put uh, links in the description for people who want to um, explore and, and see it. I think in the vegan Montreal scene, you're pretty well known. I mean, <laughs> people have uh, uh, tasted your products uh, or tested your products, um, you know, from the vegan festival of Montreal or uh, just from, you know, visiting uh, your favorite vegan shop or health shop. Yeah. And I know that the logo of um, your um, um, food company is uh, an image of the Buddha. And mm -hmm. I, I would like to know if this there is a, a link with Buddhism or uh, Eastern uh, philosophy. Well, I mean, it's very... Um... You've got a good eye because a lot of people <laughs> don't even notice that it's the, the shadow, the silhouette of a Buddha. Um, but yes, you know, I was raised, uh, I'm of Vietnamese origin. So my family raised uh, me, you know, the religion in the family was Buddhism. Um, you know, obviously, we don't like, we're not like, you know, 
fully, fully like practice and we don't, you know, like go to the temple every week or anything <laughs> like that, just as most people don't. But, you know, the philosophy of Buddhism has always um, been uh, something that, 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 you know, really is important to me. Um, the idea of, of, you know, not harming others, the idea of karma, um, the idea that we're all living beings, you know, that are equal on this planet. Um, so those ideas um, have always struck a chord in me. So when I created that logo, it just made sense to, um, to use something that was related to that. Um, so yeah, that's where the, uh, the silhouette of the Buddha is. Um, he was sitting under a Bodhi tree. Bodhi tree is the tree of awareness. I don't know how much you know about the, the story of the Buddha, but he basically sat and meditated under that tree. And after a certain amount of time, he reached enlightenment. Um, and Bodhi means to be enlightened. To me, I kind of see my journey towards veganism as a bit of um, an eye-opening experience for myself. So in that way, I feel like I was, you know, I don't want to say I'm enlightened. I'm in no way or shape enlightened. <laughs> but but what I'm trying to say is that, you know, my, I had an experience where I was, you know, my eyes were open to the reality of the animal's suffering. So in that sense, it is an awakening. Um, so, yeah, that's what I, I that's why I use the, the Bodhi tree and the silhouette of the Buddha there. I'm actually a Buddhist, so I, you I are. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's why I I was aware of the, you know, that discrete right. silhouette uh, yeah. logo. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, it there is something to be said about the influence of Buddhism on uh, on the Asian diet. I mean, everywhere where Buddhism was established, you have some vegan options and great vegan options. Uh, yeah. Almost everywhere, ex the exception is Japan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and it's it's wonderful to see that positive impact of of that spirituality. Yeah, I mean, and uh, uh, like and when I traveled uh, a few years ago to South Korea, they actually have restaurants that are owned by by monks, and they serve nothing but vegan food, basically. Um, unfortunately, we don't have that in Montreal. But you know, some of the temples they serve meals, and they're always basically vegan meals. Um, so yeah, I mean, vegetarianism and veganism are both very uh, important in Buddhism. Although the Buddhists, the people who practice Buddhism don't normally adhere to that diet, but the monks, they usually do. Um, yeah, so me, it just made sense to use that logo, you know, and like to me, it's just, I don't know, it's just, uh, I always feel like at some point in the future, down history, we're going to look back how we used to be and see how we've treated animals. And we're going to be pretty much horrified by what we've done, you know. Um, so it's just, to me, it's probably just a matter of time be before most people will be awakened to that reality. It may take, a, uh, you know, quite a bit of time, but I think eventually we will get there. Especially when you look at, you know, with the advent of AI and everything, there is a question now being raised, you know, like, what's the ethical treatment of an AI if it's if it becomes conscious, right? So we're just kind of gearing towards that question of what's what's ethical treatment of something that's conscious and what's not. While the parallel is can very easily be drawn with animals there, right? I mean, if an AI is conscious and we're like thinking, is it okay to turn it off? The, you know, the connection between that and a conscious animal is not very far. And we would we should ask the same question when it comes to animals. Is it okay to, you know, use them, exploit them for our own benefit? To me, it's just a parallel that's going to be drawn pretty soon, you know. And also to take it further, 
what kind of views and judgment would that AI have on upon us um, looking yeah. at our immoral actions? I mean, we often, you know, we have this fear of aliens or AI invading the earth, taking over. And sometimes I think maybe that would be great. Maybe they would be more moral and ethical in, in the ways of, of um, having, you know, power and uh, being in charge. I mean, when we think of AI, I mean, a lot of times we're thinking now, okay, they're like basically learning everything that we are and our values based on what's out there on the internet, right? And how we've been living. Well, what do you think they're going to see as our values if they see that all we've been doing so far is exploiting, you know, murdering animals, raping them and doing all that? Like, what are they learning from us? Basically, they're they're basically having the impression that we are these barbaric creatures that do all these horrible things. Like, this is not a model we want to be, you know, projecting to them. To me, like, it's like a parent, right? I mean, if you're a parent to a child and they're learning from you, you don't want to be exhibiting all these horrendous behaviors. And that's basically what but that's what's happening right now you know they're kind of observing everything that we're doing now and to me it's kind of urgent that we get our act together you know <laughs> and you know i don't know it's just uh to me it, we're a little bit in trouble here because it's difficult to establish an ethical line for them but then they watch everything that we're doing and nothing corresponds to what we're telling them to do you know so yeah it's something to, we should really think about there is that you're right there's this bias that could be um integrated in in those ai but i was more thinking you know about how ai could be the supreme intelligence and if you're intelligent you must be moral in a way you must take the moral way because it's just not smart to to behave that way toward animals toward our planet and so on yeah no you're right and i think that that you know once they realize what we've been doing they'll probably think okay well out with like away they go you know <laughs> let's turn them all into paper clips because they're, they're just <laughs> it's just completely useless i mean they're like wrecking the planet they're killing all the animals for no reason like you know off with them we can run this you know world much better than they do so <laughs> yeah much more compassionately yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but, exactly you know i also want to have compassion toward you know people who just are victim of their conditioning because that's most people who eat animals or participate in the exploitation of animals i feel like it's just their conditioning and they're like you know just stretching the analogy here they have been programmed to to behave this way so yeah yeah, I mean, I don't like, I don't see it as a us and them kind of thing, mm. you know, a lot like vegans against non-vegans. It's not like that at all. Um, and I don't think it should ever be seen that way because that doesn't really help anything. Um, it really is a matter of creating awareness um, and educating people. You know, you don't know what you don't know, right? So it's just really is, you know, trying to get the information out there and just basically opening eyes more and more. Um, so yeah, I never want to see it as us versus them, and that just never helps in any any social causes, really. I absolutely agree. Yeah, and we were them. I mean, yeah, we were. There's no them really. It's just <laughs> us with different views, right? It's all of us with different views. <laughs> there isn't. There's never really a us versus them. 
um, you know, we all have different preferences and, you know, some of them make more sense ethically and some of them don't. And it's just important to discuss these things. And hopefully we come to a more, you know, compassionate way of dealing with things, but it's never us versus them. And, you know, they say, you know, like what, I don't, can't remember who was it that said, like the line between good and evil lies in the heart of every man. Oh, that's I mean, beautiful. like basically we're all, you know, have that line between what's ethical and what's not, you know, it's just what, where you choose to go. Right. And sometimes it's just a lack of information, you know, and sometimes it's just cultural. You've been raised that way forever. So, you know, that's, that's the only way to think about things. It's not, um, yeah, there's no, there's no divide there between us and them. There is no them. It's just us all, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you're, pretty familiar with uh the the entrepreneurial community in in the vegan world um what is your sense of the future i feel like you're pretty optimistic about the future but do you think that we're winning in this um com economical competition to uh get uh consumers more interested in vegan products and vegan alternatives to everything i find that it's a very slow progress and it feels like it's an uphill battle uh, when you look at the numbers because you know even though when i'm doing the market i realize how there were have so many vendors you know everyone and their neighbor basically has some sort of vegan product line out there right that, that's what that's the feeling that i get but then once you go out of that you know the world you realize the amount of consumers that are vegan are still less than 3% in Canada. And I think that's about the average elsewhere too. So, you know, it does feel like an uphill battle, but I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's moving forward for sure. So I'm positive and optimist about that, but you know, like from, from a standpoint of companies, I see so many companies that are plant-based, even the non-plant-based companies are coming out with, you know, plant-based products and all of that. Even during the market this year, you know, I have quite a few vendors that sell a mix of products, but then they have a line that's exclusively vegan, you know, because they realize that there's a market for it. So that's very encouraging. But overall, you know, there is still a long way to go before it becomes like generalized uh, in the public. Um kind of like I can't remember what was it like that line where it becomes it goes from just being the early adopters to you know being something that's more of interest to everybody we're still f a little bit far away from there you know we need to reach like something like 15% I believe hmm. to, to cross that line we're still quite low in that uh, in that percentage I think so so there's a lot of work to do still well I'm at my last visit of the vegan festival of Montreal I invited a few entrepreneurs I connected with to appear on, on the podcast and talk about their vegan products. And some of them will be featured in the future on, on this show. And I was surprised to uh, see how many vegan entrepreneurs for, for vegan products were not vegan. <laughs> and yeah. that this was uh, like more of a entrepreneurial activity than a vegan um, you know, like you, like, like th there is an ethical, ethical dimension and social responsibility to what they're doing. And they, they felt pretty shy to appear on this show because then, you know, they look at the episodes and I'm mostly representing the ethical argument for veganism and I understand them. And 
I, I still wish for their success and I'm glad that they exist. But what do you make of that phenomenon? A part of me feels a little bit conflicted because I always want to promote, you know, veganism in all of its um, dimensions. So obviously I want to feature vendors that are 100% vegan, their whole lines of products are vegan and they themselves are vegan. That's in an ideal world. But then we don't live in an ideal world. And I kind of want to encourage those people who are not vegans to kind of, you know, get into our world and see what it's like. And to me, that's probably a good way of convincing them you know, to maybe switch over to veganism. Um, so that's what, so even though I have conflicted feelings about that, I kind of just, you know, I, I, I encourage it really. So, you know, we do have uh, some vendors that I know are not vegan and I know their other products in their stores are not vegan. But, you know, if they have an interest in, in joining the market and to really understand that this is a market that's centered not around environmental issue, we're not trying to be environmentalists here. We're really centered around the ethics of you know animals so as long as we have that understanding then you know to me it's just it's just fine that we're all in this project together and uh yeah i agree and that's the approach i decided to adopt you know um i want to be welcoming and uh supportive and with the hope that one day they will make that transition happen yeah yeah because I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense to like sort of being exclusive in the sense that we'll be like, no, you know, if you're not vegan, you can't join this market. You know, that's just, you know, that's ex excluding people. That's not going to encourage anybody to try veganism. You know, that certainly does the opposite, I think. So if we're going to shoot ourselves in the feet, then, you know, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> so to me, it just makes sense to be more open. Um, but of course, we always have to make it clear. Like I tell people, you know, you can show up at the market, you can do vend sell your products. But then I, t I give rules, you know, I'll be like, you know, I don't care what you eat, but at the market, you cannot be eating, you know, a piece of chicken in front, like as, as visitors pass by, you know, for lunch, like it, it wouldn't, it's not part of our, it's not part of our branding, but it's also not part of our values, you know, so, you know, you cannot have a animal based meal during the, the event in, you know, in front of other visitors, you also cannot wear, you know, I mean, I don't say cannot, but I say you're not, you're encouraged to not wear stuff that's, you know, visibly, um, made of animal skin or something, or say walking in with a cat, a goose coat, you know, when you're a vendor there is a little bit, you know, a sensitive issue. You know, so I've have told people, you know, like, you know, I don't care what you wear outside of this, but, you know, at the event, we have to represent the values of the market. And I would like it if nobody did these things, you know. So, I mean, I have rules like that. Um, but yeah, mostly people just, you know, they understand. So, so yeah. And I mean, it's just being a good entrepreneur. You, you need to understand your clientele. I mean, yes, you're not. You should not be putting <laughs> a, a coat made of feathers to talk with uh, vegans about your uh, vegan uh, line of products. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know that several years ago I made a mistake of not pointing that out, and there were a few people who walk, who a few vendors who who walked in with the Canada Goose Coats, and right away I had comments from some of our volunteers that were pointing out to me, they were like, oh, they're wearing a can of goose and they made an issue out of it. And I thought, okay, we can't have this, you know. So then the following year, it was part of our regulations. <laughs> you cannot wear stuff that's, you know, like so obviously made out of, you know, like uh, animal, you know, ingredients or something like that. And, you know, I, people understand it. I mean, if, if they don't like it, they don't have to participate, right? I mean, this is our event and there's there's a branding, you know, involved here. So it's a... Uh, it just makes sense that people just, you know, respect that, I think. 
no matter where they stand on the issue of animals. Well, since we are on the topic of the logistic of the event, um, how did you f launch the first um, couple editions of uh, the festival? Where did you find your funding? How did you uh, manage to mobilize people around the event? Um, you know, on the logistics side, how, what was your experience and the lessons that you drew from that? Um, I basically um, jumped out of the plane and just hoped I would fly. <laughs> jump out. <laughs> yeah, that's basically my approach initially. I'm like, I want to do this. I have three weeks to do this. And I'm just going to like, you know, start recruiting vendors. And I'm going to, you know, advance the money to book the hall. And it is what it is. And, you know, and luckily it worked out. And logistics wise, it was kind of crazy. And I did all the, you know, the... Um, The, the promote like the advertising myself on Facebook and all of that. Um, now I luckily since the past two years I have the the support of our social media team. But before that I used to do everything myself, so it was kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, everything was basically like uh, guerrilla style, you know, like let's just <laughs> do it, you know, <laughs> just white knuckle it and let's just do it and get it done, you know. That was my approach, and luckily it worked out. Basically, yeah, with a lot of luck, I think. And and the vegan community in Montreal is very supportive, I find. So when you organize events that they know the reason behind it, you know, and they, they know that you're making an effort, people are very supportive in Montreal. Amazing. And you have my full respect for, for <laughs> trying this. I think I might have gained a few white hair because of these events oh, no. that I've organized. <laughs> but it's all right. It's all for a good cause. <laughs> Well, are you a volunteer? Are you doing this, um, you know, as a volunteer? Well, I mean, practically, yeah, because if I were to divide the amount of money that we make versus the amount of hours, I'm probably making like, you know, like uh, less than like maybe something in the third world country kid would make. <laughs> I don't know, like something like ridiculous. So I don't even want to <laughs> like, I don't even want to do that calculation because it would just so be so discouraging. Um But yeah, I try not to think too much of that because it's like, you know, it's a one event in the year. Although last year I started the uh, the Vega Palooza. I don't know if you heard about it. It's like a no. spring fair, vegan also. But, you know, it's it's not like I try to do this year round. So it's uh, it's a little bit of a sacrifice, but it's okay. I mean, it's like I say, it's it's my form of activism. So whatever, you know, it's just... Uh, of course. And it's, it's all good. your social media team is also a team of volunteers, I guess. Yes, well, they they basically do so much work for so little that it's basically practically volunteerism. Um, you know, it's uh, they're they, they're they're basically a vegan only social media team, so they work a lot of other vegan companies. So in that sense, we're all kind of centered around the same you know values. So I'm really happy with our collaboration. Uh, that team is called Flora Flora Communications. Um, so basically, they're they're the first. Um, exclusively vegan social media management company in Quebec. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I did not know about them. Um, I, I, will, I will try and, and get more information after this show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they, they, they've, been, they've been helping out the festival, the Festival Vegan. Mm -hmm. They've been helping them out. And then they've been helping me out for the last two years. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, really happy with having them on board because they, you know, they're the professionals in terms of dealing with social media. 
um, so that at least that part is taken off of my plate because I have so many other things to take care of. Um, but yeah, it's a good collaboration. So let's talk about this year's edition of uh, the vegan uh, uh, market, uh, the vegan Christmas market. Um, what are you looking um, what are you expecting for uh, this year's edition? Um, what are you excited about? Uh, do you have any uh, startups that uh, you want to to mention? Um, I, I want to know you know the the big highlights for uh, this year. Um, well, we have uh, a few new uh, faces that were not there in previous years or even there in other events in in Montreal. That that's the thing because we keep our um, our our vendor booth costs low lower than most other um, events. So I think a lot of times what that happen what what happens is that business that start you know a new you know venture or whatever they they find it hard to to participate in those bigger events so to them the christmas market the vegan christmas market is is like an opportunity for them to, to have a booth at a lower cost so then we end up having a lot of newcomers um so so there are quite a few i don't want to reveal them quite yet because the <laughs> the, um, the 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 list of vendors are going to be up uh, in a couple of uh, days um But yeah, we'll have some new faces and I'm always excited because sometimes these companies, you cannot find them in other events and they offer quite like amazing products, really. Well, um, well, so I'm, yeah, I'm really uh, excited about that. This show will be released uh, on uh, November 21st. So I think you can share the, the list of people if you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think the list will be already up at, at this point. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I can. Well, first of all, we have um, one of our sponsors is Vision Cube. They were there at the festival at the, at the Christmas market last year, as well as the Montreal festival. So, but they're new, like uh, um, plant-based meat companies, um, and they're actually sponsoring our event in Toronto. So they're, you know, they're expanding. We're always happy to see companies, you know, growing. Um, so we're happy about that. And then we have. Um, We have this company that's going to do like chocolate bombs and all that stuff. <laughs> that's really basically like a a, um, a very small startup. Uh, it's called Ramona. It, it's a that, that's her name. That's the name of the owner. Um, so I'm excited about that because I've seen the stuff that she she makes and it's it's going to be quite um, quite a thing to, to to try out. I'm excited about that. And then we have um, we have V Charles that does um, vegan handbags. She was there last year. Actually, she was there at our spring festival. Um, she was actually last year at our Christmas event as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. So this just goes to show you how, you know, sometimes people get involved in other aspects of the market and they actually join in, you know, in another dimension. So now she's actually a vendor um, and she does amazing, like, uh, vegan handbags. Uh, they're just beautifully created. Um, so I'm excited about uh, having her on board as well. And then we've got a company that's actually not entirely vegan, but they're they're offering some vegan um, products that uh, it's called Unicone. Um, so they're going to be serving hot chocolate. So this year we actually because oh. one of the comments we one of the comments we had last year, people would say we ate so well, but we were so thirsty. It wasn't uh. enough to drink last year. <laughs> so this year I really made an effort of getting more beverages in. So we actually have quite a few, well not quite a few, but we have a few chocolate uh, hot chocolate stands. Um, so actually, hopefully I'm I'm actually hoping for 
the hot chocolate to be a, a something that's going to draw you know people walking by to just come in not because they're vegan or anything but just because they want a cup of hot chocolate you know and maybe as they're in there they can visit the rest of the market so actually i'm actually happy about having these vendors in there selling stuff like hot chocolate because it's anybody could have a cup of hot chocolate um so yeah i'm excited about that and there's you know we always have the uh the better known vegan companies that are always part of our um our roster of uh, vendors we have paradis vegetarian that do the most <laughs> amazing mock meats uh, I, um, unbelievable <laughs> I know, I know. That's just like, I don't know if you eat that. I don't know why you even bother like having to eat like the other meats. But anyways, it's just, uh, yes. Um, so there's a few vendors that are there and there's some other surprises. And also this year, we're going to have um, a lot of draws. Well, we, we have them every year, but this year we have uh, more prizes. And we also have for the first time this year, a participation from uh, vegan restaurants that are not vendors, but they are offering like gift certificate um, that will be raffled up uh, during the event. So that's another thing that we're excited to uh, to have at the event. Awesome. You know, when I think about it, the only time of the year when I get to drink hot chocolate is during Christmas, during the holidays. It's so yeah. sad because, you know, when you're a kid, you think, I'll eat all of the candies of the world when I grow up, but then <laughs> you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we have hot chocolate, and then the the lady that I told you about, Ramona, she's gonna have the hot, the, the chocolate bombs to go mm. with the hot chocolate that the other vendors are selling. So I mean, like it's it's gonna be a nice mix of uh, vendors this year. So I'm really excited about uh, the uh, the unveiling of the event. Oh, I'll be there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, and it's free. So I mean, there's really literally no excuse not to you know at least visit right i mean i keep telling people you know share the events you know share it around with your family and friends who are not vegan because really they they might find a lot of stuff that they like they didn't even realize that's vegan and it's just as good you know it's just and it's free so it's really no no loss for just walking in and, and visiting the booth and trying out samples you know veganism i think a lot of people are just like afraid of thinking about it thinking it's so overwhelming to make this whole switch are they gonna like the products you know what's this whole world they don't know about but this is an event where you can literally just walk in and try out things it's not for you fine but you might find otherwise you know which is the best way to convince someone of trying veganism is to bring them to a vegan event uh, that's the point I made um, in my episode on the Vegan Festival of Montreal. And I could make the same point for your festival. If you want to convince family or friends of considering veganism, forget about uh, arguing, forget about uh, watching Earthlings. Just bring them to a, a vegan festival. Let them see what uh, vegan look like and veganism looks like, uh, what vegan food tastes like. Um, just to get rid of that unfamiliar um, feeling that they might have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it shouldn't feel like work, right? It should not feel mm. like work. It should feel like fun. And to me, fun is the best way to to convince people, to change people's mind, um, rather than making it sound like it's an educational program where you <laughs> need to do exactly this, you know? <laughs> of course. So you were talking about how... Uh, you had a, a, a vegan Christmas market in New York. Are you planning on 
um, doing the vegan Christmas market next year um, in, in New York again or in other places? Um, do you want to expand uh, your, your venture? Well, you know, I, like ideally, I would want to have uh, the vegan Christmas market in in all the major cities. But I also realize how you know restricted I am in terms of resources, because a lot of it is myself and the social media team. Um, so you know, unless I find some sort of collaborators in the other cities, I, I probably will not be doing a New York one. And I also want to preserve my my you know dark hair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have more gray hair. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. But I think for now, it's just going to be Montreal, Toronto, and maybe, you know, another city in Canada somewhere. But I, I wouldn't, like, um, go over over the borders just because it's a lot of organization logistics-wise. I mean, New York was just um, a nightmare to organize from Montreal, you know. I went there maybe a couple of times just to look at the hall and mm -hmm. take some measurements. But everything else was done, you know, like, from virtually, basically, And, you know, when you're not from the city, it's harder to, to understand all the regulations that are involved, what you can, what you should follow and what you can kind of just disregard, you know. And so it was really hard to organize the event in New York. So I, I probably wouldn't venture in that direction again. But, um, but yeah, we'll see I mean, in terms of support. If I have, you know, more support, I might do another city somewhere in Canada, you know, but, uh, but probably not the U.S. <laughs> well, okay, so... If some listeners are truly motivated to launch their own, you know, Christmas vegan market and want to reach out to you, would you be open to hear their request and maybe have a collaboration with them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm always open to that. You know, I I can certainly have, uh, based on my experience, I can, you know, share what I, I know. And if it makes sense to collaborate, I would. Um, I would probably be more hands off, but but yeah, I'm, I'm totally open to that uh, potential collaboration. If someone out there is is in another city in the U.S., I don't know, in L.A. or something, and they, they want to do a L.A. vegan Christmas market, sure, you know, reach out to me and, and we can discuss it. Yeah, if you don't want to, we can also edit this out of the <laughs> interview. <right? laughs> It's okay. I mean, initially, I really wanted to do New York, LA, uh, Toronto, Montreal, but because I realized the madness of that, I took LA away. I did New York, but even that was a lot, you know. So and 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 I'd rather have an event that's that's really, you know, like where I can fully be there and fully participate in all its aspects than you know trying to do too many at the same time. And you know, so yeah, I mean, I'm open if there's a collaboration elsewhere, but I wouldn't do it like just myself again in New York. It was just madness. Of course. So, and before we end this conversation, uh, did you want to add something? Um, well, I really hope that uh, your listeners listeners out there will um, drop by to visit us at the Vegan Christmas Market in Montreal. Or if you're in Toronto, then visit us in Toronto. Um, yeah, I really hope you enjoy it. And uh, remember that we also have the spring event Uh I don't remember the date off the top of my head, but it's going to be in the end of May, I believe. So it's just an extension of uh, the um, the vegan central theme of uh, vegan products. And yeah, it's, it's, it's called Vega Palooza. Uh, that's the spring I, event. I would love to have you on again to talk about yeah. vegan Palooza. Oh, I'd love to. It sounds amazing. I don't know why I did not hear about it uh, sooner. <laughs> 
Yeah, that- it was our first. It was our first edition, you know, and we try mm-hmm. to keep it small. I try to keep it small. Um, so yeah, we had less vendors, but it was actually we actually had more visitors at that event than the Christmas one before that. So wow. in that sense, it was encouraging. Um, but yeah, so I really hope to to have uh, have it grow more and more. Great, and thank you so much for having been a guest on this show and for having shared. Uh, so much about uh, your event, your journey. And yeah, this was such a, a pleasant conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing. I mean, to have a podcast that's centralized on vegan products and vegan people and vegan events, that's just amazing. And also, <laughs> I'm really happy that you're doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you so much for being a friend of this show. As always, please share this episode with your community. Let's inspire more people to take action. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. Finally, you can always follow me on Instagram at Vegan Report Podcast. Thank you again for listening. Take care and see you soon. <laughs>